Glad you're all here. We've got a pretty good crowd tonight. That's great to see. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there is one in the pew rack in front of you. You're welcome to use that. Um, if you don't have a Bible, don't even own a Bible, feel free to take that one home with you and have it be yours. Uh, we would love for you to be able to have, have the Word of God in your possession. So, um, tonight we are continuing in our series on the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. So, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn there. I'm going to read a couple of verses there in Galatians 5, our, sort of our focus verses, and then um, we'll move on from there. Um, there's a lot of things said in chapter 5 of, of Galatians. Um, we are focusing in, though, on the fruit of the Spirit, those two verses, verses 22 and 23, that um, list those out. And we've been focusing each week on one particular aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, but I'll read those two verses because it has all of them in there. Uh, Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Um, and so this week we are moving on to our next one in the list, that is kindness. Um, Pastor Brandon was here last week covering for me, and he uh, spoke on the subject of patience, the one right before kindness in that list. He mentioned last week that the fruit of the Spirit are, that we find in those two verses are sometimes split up into three sections uh, when people teach them, and that is true. They are often broken down, as he said, into groups of what is um, produced and focused First of all, toward God, we see love, joy, and peace. He talked about the next three, which are toward others, patience, kindness, and goodness. And then um, the last group, the way people usually categorize it, is those that are sort of focused toward ourselves, which are faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, I think we can definitely see how uh, the fruit of the Spirit plays out in those categories. Not that love, joy, and peace produced in our lives by the Spirit of God have no relationship to other people, or they're, they're not active in our lives in other ways, or that patience and kindness and goodness are not also connected to um, our lives lived toward God and so on, with faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They're all connected uh, to our whole lives in connection with God and others. It's just that looking at things in categories sometimes is helpful, and I think that is most true with these middle three aspects of fruit of the Spirit. The ones that are most evident and most tested, really, in our relationships with other human beings. How thoughtful of God to put so many human beings in our lives, right? To be able to test our patience and our kindness. Uh, so we're, we're grateful to God. So let's pray. And ask God to help us tonight as we look at his word and um, learn what he has for us tonight. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for tonight and for your word, Lord, that we can come around it and open it up and read it, study it, learn from it. And we ask, Lord, through your spirit that you would give us understanding, or that you would convict us in our lives of areas where we are unkind, where we need to change, Lord, where we need to be more like Christ. Help us not to fight, not to fight against what you're producing in our lives, Lord, but to, to cooperate with you, to agree with you uh, in being kind to others. Of course, Father, because you have been so kind to us. We thank you for it. 
praise you and want to honor you and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, yes, God knows exactly what he's doing, doesn't he? Because there's nothing like other people to test our patience. And I know we're on kindness now, but hang with me just for a minute, and I'll bring things around. But I can, I can be plenty patient with other people not around, right? Why? Because I know what I want to do and how I want to do it. It's other people that mess things up, right? Well, at least that's what we sort of think kind of down inside, don't we? Other people, other people are behind our impatience, things not going our way. It's not our fault. It's other people's fault. My way is right. It's the best. My way makes sure I'm not inconvenienced. My way makes sure I'm comfortable. My way makes sure I'm well taken care of. My way is great. You guys mess it up. At least that's what we think, right? Um, people and circumstances are always trying to make me impatient. Is that true, though? Can anyone or anything truly make you impatient? What is really going on if we are impatient? What do you think? What was that? Pride? Okay, yeah, that could be part of it. Our own agenda? Sure. Right? I, if I'm impatient, I'm really, I'm struggling with self-control, which we'll get into. That's one of the other aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, but it's related. Um, what is revealed in us most often is that we are, we are impatient people. It's who we are in our flesh. Uh, people don't make us impatient. And when you're walking through a dark and damp, narrow tunnel and you hear a crunching sound under your feet with every step, you might think, huh, I'm stepping on fortune cookies. But then someone lights a lantern and you see that it's really cockroaches and beetles and centipedes that you couldn't see in the dark. Okay? Sorry, there's a little Indiana Jones reference there. But what's really going on? Right? The bugs were there all along. They were, they were covered up by the darkness. The light revealed what was already there, and it's disgusting. Right? We cover that up, shut the light off. That's what happens when things don't go our way. When, when people do or say something that really goes against my wants and my desires, that's what's going on. People can't make us impatient. They don't have that kind of power. It was already there. That impatience is already there. It was just covered up by things going my way. What they did or didn't do or said or didn't say has all of a sudden become a spotlight on the ugliness of my impatience, that sinfulness of heart that in my flesh is not totally gone out of my life. Okay? Even as a Christian, it's not totally gone out of my life. It's revealed through other people when I'm driving, um, I'm in a long line, my drive-through order isn't correct. My job doesn't start when it was supposed to. Um, when I have to work with that certain person. When I have to spend time with a certain family member or neighbor. There are lots of things. Right? That list is almost endless in terms of us not having things our way. Okay, so 
So when our impatience then is revealed, when we don't get our way, what is behind the negative response? Because there's going to be a negative response to my, that goes along with my impatience. What's behind that negative response? Okay, sure. There's anger, frustration in there. What else? Sure, yeah. That kind of goes back to pride. Yeah. Oh, unkindness. Yeah, exactly. Those other things are true, right? There's anger there and all that. But really, I think what's, what's really behind it is unkindness. Right? It, that unkindness looks like anger and other responses, but the underlying character flaw or sin is unkindness. Just like the cockroaches in the tunnel, it was there all along. And it's just waiting for someone to turn on the spotlight. Uh, so we see again how the fruit of the Spirit is, is all related somehow. These are all related. These two in particular, patience and kindness, really go together. And when someone makes you lose your patience, Wait, no, that's not right. When someone says or does something that reveals you are an impatient person, you need some other character trait to be active. Right? There's something else is meant to be there, and this is where kindness comes in. And thank God you and I don't have to produce that on our own. We can't. Why? It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that God is producing in those of us who are his children. He produces it. So what is kindness? We all talk about that. What are we talking about? What was Paul talking about when he wrote to the Galatians uh, that the fruit of the Spirit produces kindness in the hearts of the redeemed? The vast majority of our Bibles have the Greek word Paul used here translated as kindness. Okay, so that's what you most of you will see in your Bibles is kindness. I think the King James has it as their goodness or gentleness. Does anybody here have a King James? It's one of those other ones. Um, so, through the inspiration of the Spirit of God, Paul's word choice here carries the meaning of, really, of tender concern for another. When we're talking about kindness, we're talking about a tender concern for another. And when you dig further into the root of the word Paul used, you find that it has even more significance in that it regards providing what is needed and useful. So a tender concern that provides what is needed and useful. One of the more helpful words um, I found associated with this word is benignity. I had to look that one up. Okay? But you begin to hear in that word a familiar word, right? Benign. Okay? Of course, in our time, it's, it's most often used in reference to a tumor, whether it's uh, when it's not cancerous, right? It's benign. Um, when we look at what that word means, though, it simply means harmless. Okay, if the tumor is benign, it's harmless. And I'm not getting into medical intricacies here uh, because even a harmless tumor in terms of cancer can be harmful in other ways, but you get the point. This is the idea Paul is getting at. This is the fruit produced by the Spirit of God in his people. It is a tender concern for others that does no harm. harm it's benign and provides what is needed. This kindness and, this is kindness. It's very much others-focused. That's why it's in that list Brandon talked about, in that second portion of that list that is toward others. 
Um, and again, this is a fruit of the Spirit of God. He's producing that which he himself is characterized by. God is perfectly kind and directs that kindness to sinful men and to salvation. And so listen, listen for the definition of the kindness we just talked about and how I define that. Listen for that um, kindness in this commentary on God's kindness towards man. Um, kindness is God's beneficial provision that meets the need of sinful man. Kindness reflects the tender concern of God, providing for helpless, hapless man what he never could have provided for himself. This is the starting point for our salvation, and it is often called God's pitying kindness that prompts him to bestow forgiveness and blessings. So how was God first how was God first and most kind to you? Okay. Yeah. Salvation by bringing you the gospel. By saving you through his kindness in the gospel. That is how God was most kind to you. If you are a believer here today, uh, through uh, repentance and faith in Christ, that is the first and most kind act God has ever done for you and will ever do for you. Salvation through Christ. So the hearing of the gospel did something in you if you are saved. And what the gospel did in your life came from the kindness of God. But regarding their sin, what is the big thing a person must do to be saved? Regarding their sin, what is it that people must do to be saved? Repent. Sinners must repent of their sin. Well, how did that happen? The Bible tells us, Romans 2.4 says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? God's kindness through the gospel is what led you to repent of your sin. If you're a Christian here today, if you're not a Christian here today, that is how you will be saved. It's through the hearing of the gospel. It's through repentance of your sin and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is the most kind thing that has ever been offered to you as a sinful human being. Going by our definition then, we see that God's tender concern for you provided you exactly what you needed to be saved because you had no hope of meeting the holy requirements of perfect righteousness without his kindness in this area. There is no hope without the kindness of God. I want you to turn with me, if you would, over to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. And here we'll see another way that Paul put it when he wrote to Titus about salvation, its, its origins, how it is accomplished, what it produces through the kindness of God. If we look at Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, 
whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You see, God's loving kindness is said to have appeared in the form of Jesus himself. Because God is merciful, and he washed unclean sinners and regenerated them. He renewed them in the Holy Spirit. What does it mean that God regenerated? What does that mean? God took, he made alive what was dead. He he gave spiritual life to people who are spiritually dead. Where there was no life, he brought life. It's regeneration. He didn't just give us a little bit of kindness in this. Okay, when, when he gave us his spirit, Paul said he poured out his spirit on us richly. How? Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And now we mustn't forget that God is not a pushover. Scripture tells us God will not be mocked. He's both loving and just. We also learn from Scripture that there is a flip side to the kindness of God. Not that God is unstable or a flip-flopper, but that something else is true about God and to be expected from God if the response to his kindness isn't repentance. Remember, his kindness is meant to lead us to repentance if that response isn't there, then something else is to be expected. Um, I read an article in, uh, in a Ligonier, on the Ligonier website. It says, Sinners often mistake God's patience and kindness with permissiveness, as if there will be no recompense for our evil. That's a big mistake. Romans 11.22 says, Note then the kindness and the severity of God toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. There's a kindness, there's a severity. And he says note there, I mean, this is, pay attention, beware. Note this about God. God is kind, but he's also severe. People who refuse to come to Christ in repentance and faith, um, after God has been so kind to them, will be cut off, whether Jew or Gentile. What does it mean for people to be cut off? What comes into your mind when you hear that? Yeah, no eternal life, right? You're cut off from, from the presence of God. Disconnected. Yeah, this is a, this is a picture of God's guaranteed and swift eternal judgment. Cut off. It's, it's a quick thing. We don't know when it's coming. We don't know when Christ is coming back. You don't know when you'll take your last breath. It's coming. His judgment is coming. What is cut off doesn't just lay there. God's not done with it. When John the Baptist was uh, proclaiming Christ, claiming the gospel and preparing the way for Christ, calling for, he was going around calling for repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He also sternly warned the people of the judgment of God that was coming. Um, And in his warning to the people, he paints a pretty clear picture so that everyone can understand. After telling them of God's judgment and that it was coming, John says, 
Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. This is what happens to what is cut off. The Apostle John records Jesus' words when he said, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. This is severe, very severe. What do we learn from these passages of Scripture? The same thing all of Scripture teaches us. God is severe. God is also kind. He is very kind. God's kindness is the answer. It is what we sinners need, and it comes from God's tender concern, his loving kindness. It is his own character, again, and it is what his spirit is producing in you and I, if you are a believer, this is what the Spirit of God is producing in you. I know we're talking a lot about God's kindness towards us, but how can we move on to understanding kindness and, and the way we are to be kind to other people if we don't understand how God was kind to us? We have to understand the source of this kindness, and it is the Lord God himself. So we know about God's most lavish example of kindness. We talked about that earlier, um, which is salvation. But how else is God kind to us? Does does God save us and then his kindness ends? Okay, he bestows grace and blessings on us constantly. Where else in life do we see the kindness of God? If you can, use kindness. A scripture reference, even if it doesn't use the word kindness in it, many of the scriptures that that you guys will learn and memorize that maybe you've already got memorized, they are examples. They they comfort us. Um, they're examples of God's kindness towards us, even if they don't say the word kindness. John three sixteen. Yeah, for God so loved the world that He gave us His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Did it say kindness in there? But is that kindness? Absolutely. There's no better way to understand how kindness is than to rightly see ourselves as sinful people who have fallen short of the glory of God. It becomes such a kindness to us when we see this and we we read scriptures like that. What else? What other examples in life does God's kindness just keep coming to us? Okay. Right, yeah, we're back to Christ appearing, or the fact that Christ came and dwelt among us. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so one simple verse. Romans 8, 1, right? There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. One verse. And that is such great kindness. The promise there. If you are in Christ Jesus, there is now no longer any condemnation for you. What else? Other ways that you see God's kindness in your life? Okay. 
Yes. Right. Yes. And we can look back. Sometimes we can't see it at the time, but we can look back and see God's kindness through that, through that difficult time. I mean, other things that, simple things, like, Right? Right. Right. And what are you doing? You're reading Scripture. You're thinking about Scripture and seeing the kindness of God in his promises in those verses. And that gets me to one of my points about how God is kind to us. He gives us his word. The God of the universe who created everything gave us his word. Everything he has said to us that we need to know is right there in our Bibles. That is kindness, that he would give us his word. Because it's his word that we come to in the darkest times, when we're feeling lost, when we're feeling lonely, when we're scared, anxious, uh, confused, whatever it might be, we can come to the word of God and see the truth about who he is, be reminded what he's done for us as Christians, and that no matter what happens on this earth, even if my life is taken from me, I have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. I will be with him forever. Right? Gives us his word. He gives us his church. That's kindness. He gives us the body of Christ to come to fellowship, to encourage one another, to read the word of God together, to sing together. He gives us voices that we can sing. We can praise him. It's kindness. Somebody else mentioned already the, the grace that God gives us constantly, the hope that we have constantly. It's not just hope that in eternity I'll be living with, with God. Of course I will. But that gives us hope for right now, too. So he doesn't just, isn't just kind to us in salvation, and I say just not to minimize salvation, but there's just more to it. He doesn't just drop it there. God is near. He is with us. He is kind to us. We see it in the psalm, Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3. And maybe we don't think of these verses in terms of, of kindness, but he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's kindness. Psalm 36, 7 and 8. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. Yes. That's it. Right. I would say yes. My, my initial answer to you is yes. I absolutely see a connection. Even though we have the Old Testament written in Hebrew, 
if you look at the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of Hebrew, um, kindness is often put in there for those words. So you can, when you read that New Testament, or I mean the Greek version of the Old Testament, what is stated in Hebrew that might not be translated as kindness is often translated as kindness. But yeah, I would say absolutely there's a connection. <laughs> you could. You could absolutely teach an entire class about the kindness of God through the Old Testament. Absolutely. I know that's your favorite thing, Bubba. Yes, you can do that. <laughs> it's a good point. And maybe, yeah, maybe we don't think about that. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to include Old Testament passages in here because kindness didn't just appear in the New Testament. It didn't just appear when Christ was born. Yes, full of kindness, right? And it's all pointing to that ultimate kindness. So, absolutely, we, we cannot do without the Old Testament. And we could go on, really, on and on with promise after promise of God, Old Testament, New Testament, um, about his kindness. And we normally only associate, when we think about God's promises, I think we most often associate his promises with his love for us, which is absolutely true, and we should. Um, but shouldn't you and I also associate his promises to us as kindness, his kindness towards us? Yeah, I think we should. Let's look at another biblical example of God's kindness in, in Mark. If you'll turn to Mark chapter 10. Okay, Mark chapter 10. I'm going to look at verses 46 through 52. And you may be familiar with this story about Bartimaeus. He was a blind man. And I want you to, as I read through this, think about the, the kindness of God uh, in this particular passage. Mark 10, verses 46 through 52. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. And here's this blind beggar. And you can almost picture him crying out to Jesus like he did and being rebuked, crying out all the more, and then also thinking to himself, he might not be there for me. And there's a mixture of initial hope and then a quiet res resignation of that hope. I think we often experience things like that. But verse 49 is so great. We see that 
hope come flooding back as Jesus' kindness is on display. In verse 49 it says, And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. Those words are so kind. He is calling you. We can see that the hope floods back in by Bartimaeus' response to hearing the messenger say, He is calling you. Verse 50 says, What did he do? And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And you can picture that in your mind. This isn't just, oh, hum. He's, he's throwing off, this language is important, he's throwing off his cloak and sprang up and came to Jesus. And it is such a beautiful picture of mankind and his sin and the kindness of God in calling to you through the gospel. To open your blind eyes, you can see your sin, and because of his kindness, respond in repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And like that man, go about following Christ, praising and glorifying him, as another gospel account says Bartimaeus did. But it's such a wonderful picture of the kindness of God. And did Bartimaeus deserve God's kindness? Is God kind to us because we deserve it? Who's willing to say that? Nobody. Good. We don't. The answer should clearly be no. This is the clear biblical message. God does not love us or be kind to us because we deserve it. Um, it's not about us deserving it or not. And aren't we glad for that? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we don't we don't need to inform God of anything by the way. Yes, good point. And the other thing in there is that we saw in that story too is Bartimaeus acknowledged Christ for who he was. He knew. He acknowledged him for who he was that he was his only hope. Um, so, yeah, we should all be glad that it's not, God doesn't base his love for us or his kindness towards us on whether we deserve it or not, because we don't. So we are glad, and we are very thankful, but how quick we are to not show the same kindness to other people. Right? Remember, it's not about deserving or not deserving. For us, it's about what is the Spirit of God producing in us as Christians? And what are we commanded to do? As God is sanctifying us, setting us apart to him, he is producing in us kindness. A kindness of divine origins. And he gives us plenty of opportunity to put that kindness on display. Right? When you, we went through a list earlier. We talked about what are the things that test our patience, right? These are all opportunities to put kindness on display. The question is, are we obedient? How do we, how do we do in this area of kindness? Based on our definition here and on the examples of God's kindness toward us, do we do the same for others? How, how are we at this? And let, Let's hear what one commentator said about kindness, and then I'm going to ask that question again. 
He said, kindness reflects benevolence in action. Kindness which disposes one to do good, but not a goodness qualitatively, but a goodness in action and expressed in deed. Kindness is that temper or disposition which delights in contributing to the happiness of others, which is exercised cheerfully in gratifying their wishes and which supplies their wants or alleviates their distresses. Kindness is not just a sweet disposition, but is a serving trait. Does that describe your response to people revealing your impatience? Does it even describe your desired response? Something for us to think about. How do you guys do with that? Anybody want to say they're great at it? When you become impatient that this is your thought process? It's something for us to think about. We, we know we're bad at this. Right? But do we even desire to respond in kindness to people? Do we think of that as a goal uh, to cultivate kindness of character? Do we have that tender concern of the heart and of acts towards others? Not just when they do what we want, but when they don't. Do I want to benefit others with what they need, which is the kindness of God produced in me through his spirit? Am I others-focused or me-focused? Is my response benign? Is it harmless? Or is it cancerous, biting, devouring sort of response? We've seen God's kindness in Scripture toward us. But what are we commanded to do? How are we commanded to respond to others? Again, not just our friends, and our loved ones, it's easy to respond in kindness to people that are kind to me, people that are not ruffling my feathers. And Luke 6.35 says, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. That's interesting. That verse is a low blow to our ego. Jesus identifies those we are to love and be kind to as being ungrateful and evil. And and notice this love for enemies and doing good and the attitude of expecting nothing in return is equated to kindness. That's not an easy attitude to have. Specifically, the kindness of God toward those same ungrateful and evil people, you and me, formerly being one of them, hey, that's, that's difficult. But God is producing this in us. If we are Christians, God is producing this in us. But we need to have a mindset of obedience. And we need to have a, a right biblical thinking. And Paul tells us, what that right thinking is in regard to our relationships with other people, and you're not going to like it. Okay, Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, look at verses 3 and 4. 
Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. That's, I don't like that. Uh, other people are more important than you. This isn't, about, this isn't about pretending other people are more important than you. God is telling us our thoughts should be that other people are more important. Other people come first. Well, how is this message that we just read in those two verses, how is that message different from our culture? How does it differ? Okay. Right. Right. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah, it's the world doesn't understand that. They're not going to understand that. This is go ahead. Right. Right. So if do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves, is that what the world says to do? What does the world say to do? It's all about me. Right. Right. Yeah, and that goes with yeah, it goes with what you're talking about. It's all about me. Right? I did it my way. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, that was one of the first things. That's the first thing I put on my list. I am number one. That's the that's the world's thought about themselves. That's our culture's thought, and we can see it. Even if they would, if you ask them, do you think you're the most important person? They would say no. But in their actions and what they say, uh, you see a different picture, right? We've really we've been conditioned, not that we need to be conditioned, but we've been conditioned to think this way, a, a worldly way. Okay, everything is about self. In our culture, it's me, my, mine, 
um, my rights. Everything is about self. And our children are taught this in school. Uh, we're taught this through music, through media, through education. Even some churches will teach a false message that it's all about you. Christ died so you can have much stuff. Okay? And that we don't, again, we don't need to be conditioned this way. We don't need to be taught this. That's the funny part. We, we don't need someone to tell us that we're the most important. We just like it when they do, right? Yeah. True. Yeah. You, even with babies, you don't, that's why we have to teach our children to be kind because it's not the natural bent, right? We, the world says and does what is opposite, and we have to be careful that we don't get caught up in that. We don't believe those things. Um, so, again, we don't need someone to teach us this, but we really do like to surround ourselves with people that teach that because it justifies my wrong thinking. I feel better about feeling great about me when somebody tells me I should feel great about me. Um, but God says something different. The message of Scripture is different. Humble yourself. Treat others as more important. Show kindness to everyone. And he says, and God says, I, I've shown you what it looks like. I will produce it in you. What should we do in response to what the Spirit of God is producing in us? Well, we need to agree with God. We need to think like God tells us to think in, this, in, in his word. The very next verse in that Philippians passage says it this way, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Right after saying, To think of others is more important than you, let, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Do it. Think this way. You and I have the mind of Christ through his spirit. If you are a Christian, you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Think this way. So why is it so hard then, Christian? Why is it so hard? Think about what really points out your impatience or your unkindness towards others. Why is it so hard to respond in a godly way? Because we're sinners. What else? Other thoughts on that? Okay. Not to say the devil made me do it, right? That's not what you're saying. <laughs> but, sure, Satan plays on our desires, our selfishness. Any other thoughts on why it's so hard to respond in the way God tells us to respond? Okay. I have the Spirit of God in me. Why do I not perfectly do this? Yeah. Well, we have the fruit of the Spirit. God promises we have the fruit of the Spirit, and He is producing them in us all the time. Hey, what? Okay.
yeah, yeah, God is sanctifying us, right? That's, we're not there yet. But God is producing this in us in increasing measure. Some are more mature than others. Some are farther along than others. But God is producing this. The problem is we often walk by the flesh and not the Spirit. Okay? In our, in our passage in Galatians 5, before we get, even get to the fruit of the Spirit, in verses 16 and 17, Paul says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Walk by the Spirit. That's the answer. How? What was that? Stay home. Yeah. Don't have other people around you that will point out or shine a light on your, yeah, your impatience and your unkindness. Um, exactly. We, we read the word. We renew our minds in the word. The world, the devil and his system is always coming against our thinking. Always trying to change our thinking and tell us the world's way is better. The world's way is right. It's easier. And honestly, it is easier. It would be easier just to be unkind to everybody. It's hard to respond to things that irritate us in a kind and loving way. It's really hard. Okay, But we have to be in the Word of God. We have to know the Word of God. Like Jeannie said, it renews our minds. Okay, It helps us think right. We would know how to treat others according to godly thinking. Okay, Don't lie to yourself. Don't, don't let others lie to you about how important you are. Seek to please God in what you do and say. The Lord says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's the answer. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. They are opposed to one another. God has given you what you need. If you're a believer. God has given you what you need. Don't be blind to it. In response to Paul's writing about the judgment of God and the kindness of God in Romans 2, Martin Luther said this, So great is the blindness of the sinner that he abuses to his own harm the things that have been given to him for his own benefit. All right, again, don't be blind, first and foremost, to the kindness of God toward you who were his enemy. Don't be blind to that and thereby harm yourself and others because you refuse to benefit from what God has and is providing you with. And that is the ability to be kind in the Spirit of God. He is producing that in you, Christian. And what does this kindness look like? I think it's wise if we talk about that for a minute in a practical sense. What does this look like? Let's not just leave this in the realm of theory. Remember, kindness is a tender concern for others, desiring to meet their needs, believing them to be more important than yourself. With that in mind, what does Holy Spirit-produced kindness look like from you when someone cuts you off in traffic? Now, maybe that doesn't bother some of you. Driving is one of those areas for me, maybe it is for some of you, that really can test my patience. Um, but how do, what does it look like for this kindness to come out in that kind of a situation? 
Self-control. Yeah. Yeah. What should it look like? Yeah. Let me reword that. <laughs> what do you think? Self-control was said. Sure. Okay. Okay. If, if I'm praying for someone, then what am I not doing? I'm not focused on myself, but I'm making them human. I'm, I'm making them not just this person that irritated me, but somebody who needs the Lord. What about when someone chews you out and belittles you? Maybe calls you all kinds of names. No. You're reading from a different Bible, Mike. What does it look like? Turn the other cheek, okay? Sure, what else? What does that look like? Could be. Whatever their motivation is, they're saying a bunch of mean and hateful things to you. Now, okay, calmness. Don't respond in the same way. Again, pray for them. Um, yeah, what is that? goes back to your heaping coals on their head. What, a, what about when you wanted, wanted things a certain way, but because others... Because of others, it didn't happen that way. Okay? Or when someone else's actions are threatening something that you really want to have. And, it, and it, I'm not just talking about some frivolous thing. It could be something, maybe a reconciled relationship, and somebody is, else is threatening to harm that. What does this kindness look like in that situation? Because the temptation is, I'm going to lash out in words. I'm going to... I'm going to be unkind. I'm going to manipulate things or people. Um, this is going to require us to do some thinking um, when we are put in these kinds of situations. So how much of this kindness stuff requires us to trust God? How much of it? All of it, right? It's not, if someone is doing the most horrendous thing to you and you're being kind and maybe that just keeps coming and maybe even other people are mocking you because of your kindness we have to trust God that he has said this is how I should respond I can trust him with the outcome we feel like if I don't be unkind or if I don't manipulate in this way then this thing's not going to happen so I have to do it that way instead of trusting God no I need to be kind even if it doesn't go the way I want it to go, I'm commanded to be kind. And it requires us to trust God. It's very hard. Maybe we should remind ourselves often what God says about those who live for Christ. That's, that's why we, we would obey, isn't it? We, we want to live for Christ. We want to walk by the Spirit. That should be our mindset, right? I'm doing this for Christ. I can suffer through this in a godly way for Christ. When everyone else around me says, that's stupid, get your revenge. Right? You can also see now how self-control is going to fit in with all this. Okay, we don't do this because people deserve it, but because we are called and commanded to be kind to everyone. Pray for help to show kindness. Maybe some of you really struggle in this area with lashing out your initial response and 
you really struggle with kindness, pray for help. Ask God to help you with kindness. Pray for those who provide you with those opportunities. Be kind. Right? Those people that push your buttons. Um, it was already brought up. Pray for them. Ask God to strengthen you to be kind when you don't want to. Because there's going to be many times where you don't want to. And never, never, never forget the kindness of God toward you when you were his enemy. We have to have that in our minds. When I am faced with the opportunity to lash out in anger and unkindness because I have deemed this person my enemy and unworthy of anything else, I better think twice. I better remember myself as the wicked sinner that I am and how Christ was so kind to me. I didn't deserve his kindness. Who am I to be unkind to anyone? Don't forget what Christ did. We are never, ever justified in being unkind. There's never an excuse. You can lay out as many excuses as you want. You'll never be able to be justified in being unkind. You can't find a Bible verse that allows you to be unkind. There's, you're not justified in that. And I want to leave you with this encouragement from Scripture. This kindness of God found in the promises of his word. What did Jesus say in Matthew 5, 9 through 12? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's a great promise from God. It's great encouragement when we know we're going to be faced with opportunities in our life where we're going to either be obedient or not be obedient, being kind or being unkind. We have to remember these words of God that, uh, that w- there is a reward for our obedience and kindness. But also we don't have an excuse to ever be unkind to people. Ever. So first we see the overall overwhelming example of kindness from God to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And out of that, through the Holy Spirit that indwells every believer, he is producing that kindness that we then show to other people because of what he's done for us. Right? All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you again for tonight. Thank you for your word. Lord, it is hard for us to remember all these things in the heat of the moment. There are so many things that push our buttons, that want to bring out the worst in us, Lord. We still struggle with our flesh. We know, Lord, as Christians, that you have given us your spirit who is producing in us kindness. We pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us in that, I pray, Lord, you would bring it to our mind, even this week. Maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it's even this evening, that somebody's going to say something that might tempt us to be unkind. Lord, would you stop us? Help us to think. Think about Christ. Think about what he's done for us. Help us to humble ourselves. Help us to think of others as more important than ourselves. Help us to have this mind among us, Lord, because it is the mind of Christ. It is, it is difficult but it is not impossible because your spirit indwells us. And we thank you for that. 
And thank you, Lord, that your salvation was not based on whether I deserved it or not, Lord, because I would never, ever deserve it. But you are so kind and gracious and merciful to save those who repent of their sin and put their trust in Jesus Christ for their salvation. Thank you. Praise you and we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.